the difference between implementing a e-commerce software and an ERP system is that the e-commerce system, and just like a traditional website, is customer facing. So you have to worry about all the customer facing aspects of that, you know, design, how it looks and feels to the customer, how they navigate it. It's not just some back office system that sits there and kind of works for your team. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Digital Transformation Consulting Firm, Elevate IQ. Most financial executives leave the deployment details to their IT team as long as their websites run fine. But while making a decision, For your e-commerce platform, your biggest cost driver will be how and where the solution will be deployed. If you are signing a SaaS or hosting contract, you need to pay attention to at least 10 different variables such as performance tiers, the price increase at each tier, storage restrictions, security, speed, and staging environments. These factors drive your cost significantly in the long run if you don't understand their implications. In today's episode, we invited an expert panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise with deploying and implementing different e-commerce systems. We also discussed the basics of the software deployment process the importance of staging environments, and how deployment affects your SEO and security. Finally, we discussed how to compare competing solutions in order to make an informed decision for your e-commerce deployment. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey guys, welcome everyone. For today, we are going to be talking about the deployment strategies. And for the finance and operations executive, if you are exploring the e-commerce journey or e-commerce platform, you need to know what are going to be your cost drivers for your e-commerce platform. So we are going to be doing the intro for the panel. So can I start with you, Eric, if you don't mind, to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Eric Landman. I'm the e-commerce division manager of Earthling Interactive. We are a development house that builds websites and e-commerce sites and apps for quite a wide variety. We don't do vertical markets, but our our experiences across the whole spectrum. And I'm a certified solution specialist, a certified Magento solution specialist. And I've got about... uh, 50 or so sites that I've participated in building. Okay, amazing background. And today it's going to be super handy to have your technical background in discussing the today's topic. So mm-hmm. now the next, I am actually going to move to Azia. Do you want to introduce yourself? You are a very special guest. We brought you just for today's topic. So we are very excited to have you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for thanks for bringing me on. So yeah, I'm the, the founder of Trellis. We're, uh, I guess at this point, we kind of consider ourselves pretty full service. So we do what we consider full service, meaning design, even branding, kind of like from brand evolution all the way through UI, UX to implementation of e-commerce platforms to post-launch marketing and improvements and, and kind of helping the company grow. So pretty much like the full life cycle of, of helping companies grow uh, with e-commerce. But a, a big majority of our work is definitely the technical implementations, uh, design and development. So pretty, pretty relevant to this <laughs> topic. Okay, amazing. And it's going to be super relevant just because you bring expertise from many different platforms that we don't have in the room. So thank you so much for that background. Chris, do you want to introduce yourself, if you don't mind? Yeah, uh, Chris Harrington, co-founder and president at uh, Gen Alpha Technologies. We are an e-commerce provider for equipment and distribution companies. So essentially, those companies who have complex product lines with uh, bills of materials and aftermarket components, that's where we fit in the space. 
which has us in a pretty unique space when it comes to conversations like this. Certainly, we have worked with many manufacturing companies and their deployment processes. We're a full service agency, so we don't rely on partners to do that for us. We are really working with the customer to, to take them through full implementation. So great to be here and be back on Wednesday. Amazing. And Chris, uh, you bring a very interesting background as well, because typically the niche solutions in the market, they follow very different price cycle as well as the deployment methodology. So it's very important to understand those variables as well. Uh, Damon, would you like to introduce yourself, if you don't mind? Sure. Uh, Damon Postolka, Exit Your Way, Managing Director, Co-Founder. What we do in a nutshell is we help manufacturing e-commerce companies scale their businesses and prepare themselves for a for a valuable exit. And so in in my work, my role dealing with technical implementers like like many of you on the call here is really from the overall management alongside the executive team and ensuring that is the right next step for this business at this time and then helping them I'm not a technical implementer per se, but being through about you know a dozen of these things, you you just understand some of the things that we should look for in the planning side, like you're going to be talking about today, and then a, as you're implementing. So, Damon, you bring up very interesting value to the panel because you are only one who actually represents the real user, okay, the business user. So, I want you to be asking very hard questions to then these technical people <laughs> when we decide the platform. Okay, Dave, do you want to introduce yourself now? Hey, everybody. Dave Meyer with BusyWeb. We're a growth marketing agency that helps customers drive more business by a process called inbound marketing. So we help manufacturers to gather attention, to collect clicks and deals, and to actually automate that sales journey to get more closed business been uh, running it since 1999 when Prince was really ready to party. And uh, yeah, we're, we're super happy to be here. Thank you so much. Okay, Dave, thank you so much for that intro. And a lot of people who are wondering how SEO is going to be relevant to deployment. One of the things that you need to know, if you didn't know this, is speed is one of the most important factor when it comes to SEO. And your speed is driven by your deployment. And that's why Dave is here to offer the insight from the SEO perspective. So guys, let's get going with the topic. So I am actually going to start in setting the tone for the today's topic. And that is going to be really, let's say, if my business audience, especially let's say, Damon does not know what deployment really is and why business users should care for the deployment of uh, e-commerce platform. So Eric, do you want to set the tone for the topic, what deployment really is, why that matters, and why business executives should care for the deployment? Sure, I can give you a high-level view of what deployment is. Uh, this is probably not a concept that anybody who runs a website thinks about or anybody who visits a website thinks about, but deployment is a system, and there are many different systems, that will take code from a developer's environment. It might be a code repository or their local workstation, and it will push it out to the various servers involved that are hosting websites. It might be one server. It might be multiple servers if they're in a clustered cloud hosting environment. Or deployment also, can, so that's a, a high-level view of a very large system. Um, there are lots of pieces involved in this deployment. There's databases. There's what's called orchestrators that will grab the code and push it out and shut down nodes and open up nodes and turn on various background activities. So there's lots of moving parts to this, this whole thing. And I guess you might ask, well, why, why does this matter? Kind of matters because if you run a car, if you drive a car, it's pretty good to know at least something about how the car runs. So that's why it's important for management to understand this. On, a, on the other end of the spectrum, deployments for a system, a SaaS system, which is a software as a service system, something like Shopify, are completely different. So you need to understand how the different platforms work. So that's the high level view of it. Yeah, so great points there. And just to build a little bit more on that, the reason, and especially, I mean, see if you are going to have a lot of different technical terms there, the databases, the transactions, and especially if you look at from the finance perspective, 
or from the executive perspective, sometimes you are going to see a lot of different details on your contract when you are going to sign a specific e-commerce platform, and that is going to have details such as how many database connections do you have, how many connectors do you have, and those typically drive the cost. Initially, they might have very initial pricing for uh, your platform, and later on, you might learn that, you know what, as soon as you increase the transactions, that is going to have a cost driver. So it's very important to pay attention to how the interaction of different technical platforms work and what is going to be the implication when you look at the overall cost of ownership for the solution. So Azia, I'm actually going to move to you. I'm pretty sure you have a lot to add there from the business perspective as well as from the technology perspective. So do you want to share your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I think I'll, I'll start with the business side. I mean, I think I like to try and use analogies because uh, especially a lot of these like CFO type people, they're not necessarily developers. They don't necessarily have like a deep development understanding. Some of them might, but for the most part, they're more focused on the financials. But most companies, especially the the, the mid to, to larger size, will have some sort of back office system where they, they know that world. So they know kind of like an ERP system. So most of them have deployed or been through a deployment of an ERP system, right? Whether it's NetSuite or Microsoft Dynamics or any of those kind of like financial slash inventory slash, you know, all encompassing systems. So the way I would think about deployment for e-commerce is in some ways it's not too different from that, but there's a lot of additional nuances and complexities. So I would think about it as like, okay, you know, we've we've deployed, you know, NetSuite or Microsoft Dynamics, or I've gone through that in a previous company. So I kind of know what that looks like. But with e-commerce, you're going to buy, you know, let's say one of 10 market solutions that there's Let's call it 10, you know, Magento, Shopify, Big Commerce, you know, SAP is like a upper market, Salesforce, upper market products. You know, so there's maybe like 10 solutions you might consider. Yep. You pick one of those, you're most likely going to implement it. Obviously, there's additional nuances that that go into that. But the difference between implementing a e-commerce software and an ERP system is that the e-commerce system, and just like a traditional website, is customer facing. So you have to worry about all the customer facing aspects of that, you know, design, how it looks and feels to the customer, how they navigate it. It's not just some back office system that sits there and kind of works for your team. And maybe your team can figure out these weird nuances. It has to work for the average customer that it, maybe it's their first time going through the website. So it has to be, you have to be thinking about user experience, obviously. And then you have to be thinking about your business model requirements and kind of getting that all working throughout the website. So that that's kind of I would really say like deployment should start at the requirements process. So before you even think about deployment, what what is what's your business model? What are you trying to accomplish with the website? You know, at the basic level, you have like Shopify. I mean, you could build a Shopify website in a week, but the problem is that's probably not very competitive, right? So you know, almost anyone could build a Shopify website with minimal technical expertise and plug in their pay- Shopify payments and a couple things and ship product out of their house. But most businesses to be competitive have much more complicated requirements. I think Chris Harrington, you, you work with these distributors and manufacturers. We do the, some of that work too. They have pretty complicated business models. So then you start thinking about how do you apply that to e-commerce and you start adding all these features and functionality, some of which may be out of the box in a solution like a, a, a Shopify or Magento, but often you may need 10 or 20 extensions or apps. So it depends on the platform, what it's called, but call it third-party pieces of software that you would add to, to the software. And then additionally, quite a bit of custom development, as Eric was kind of alluding to, that you have kind of a deployment process to basically develop on these platforms. And it depends a little bit on the platform, how that how that works. So there's, there's a lot that goes into deployment, right? But it's it, like at the... Most basic level, the first thing to do is figure out like, what are you even trying to accomplish? What are your requirements? And I find most of the companies that struggle, it's because they're trying to build requirements and they're not valuating that process enough. So they're just trying to jump into, a give me a proposal or it's like, okay, how much to build a house is another analogy. Well, a house could be a hundred grand or it could be $5 million, right? Just like your e-commerce site could be basic Shopify site or it could be Amazon worth billions and billions or trillions of dollars nowadays. So, you know, you have this massive range of possibilities. So, you know, to me, the thing that's kind of overlooked, I think, is investing more upfront and figuring out what what you actually need and why the platform is the good fit for that deployment for those requirements. Yeah, so you actually hit on some really, really good points. And I want to make sure that the audience is able to 
take those away with them. Sure. And one of the things that you mentioned is really the, the requirements driving the deployment strategies and the focus of the audience being on just the functional requirements. I mean, that's how everybody looks at any of the IT or e-commerce system. They are going to worry about only the, the functional aspect. Okay, my e-commerce should be, system should be able to, let's say, take my customer from a point A to point B. But the real cost drivers, especially when it comes to the IT systems, that is going to be how these business objects are basically going to be interacting with each other too. And the other things that I really wanted to mention is, you mentioned, let's say, if somebody has already bought an ERP, and I like to think it is this way. If you have got married once, then you sort of know what is involved in getting married. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> like, but people tech- who have never got married and they are simply in the dating phase. And the dating phase, <laughs> I like to think about is going to be your, you know, when you bought, let's say, Shopify. Okay. Shopify has made it super easy to buy initially because they are being kind to you. They are making it super easy so that you're really going to be your monthly cost. You don't have to worry about anything. Your QuickBooks is going to be super easy. But you need to understand one thing. You are still buying an IT system. So you still need to understand the cost drivers of those systems. So just because they are making it easier for you in the beginning, it does not mean that it's going to be any easier later on. It's going to have all those complexities that existed 20 years back in any of the IT system. So now I'm actually going to go back to Chris. Chris, I'm pretty sure you have a lot of thoughts overall setting the tone for the deployment. Yeah, I think a lot of great points brought up by Isaiah and Eric already, and then Sam, your your contribution there. I think that from, because our audience is mostly B2B, right? And that, that means that there's coming with a little bit more complexity and oftentimes Shopify doesn't isn't even the right solution to begin with, right? So I think that something that hasn't been mentioned yet is really all of the security. As you, this is a customer-facing website, we have to think about all of the security protocols related to customer information and the way that that data is being used, it, how it's being stored, and how it's being handled. So when we think about cost drivers, And some of the evaluation criteria, I think that's just another thing that I'd like to mention here that just hasn't been mentioned yet. But I I will say that I completely agree with Isaiah that people have been through ERP implementations and they have this experience, especially CFOs, of what the, the ERP implementation was and how it went over budget, how it was delayed, how it, it, you know, there are challenges and it it affected so many different areas of the business. I think to Isaiah's point, when you do the work up front, you can reduce a lot of those uh, challenges uh, that you experienced in your ERP implementation in in an e-commerce deployment, especially if you're working with the right vendor and leveraging their knowledge and their experience as you move through a deployment process. So, uh, I'll add those few things as well. I know we're going to get into details as we go here. Yeah, so some really great points, especially thinking about security. I think that is going to be very important as well. Sometimes there are going to be smaller vendors. Their infrastructure may not be as intact. So obviously that needs to be considered before you choose the deployment platform. And by the way, that is probably going to impact the SEO as well, which we are going to be talking very soon as well. So Damon, I'm actually going to move to you. So, so far, what do you think? I mean, see, what are your experiences so far? Um, do you have any questions? Do you have enough information to be able to decide what deployment really is for a business user? Well, I think, like like you said, if you've if you've been married once, you kind of know what getting married is like. And I've I've had the opportunity to do it a few times, and unfortunately, both of those things. But um, <laughs> the <laughs> the uh, yeah, this, I don't want to go there. But the uh, the the thing is, is with the what most people overlook, you are covering here, but they don't understand it. Most executives don't understand the fact that Chris bringing up security, bringing up the planning, bringing up this front end work that you have to do to really understand what you're putting yourself into. And and then I can't stress enough the amount of downstream work you should do as well to to understand what this looks like after. because. 
what a lot of people get in is they a system may work really pretty up front and everything looks great when you're doing a demo on it and they're only doing the things that they want you to see. But if you're custom developing something, you really need to understand where your vulnerability points are on security because heck, I just got another, you know, you just, so many people, their websites get hacked, all this other stuff. This is just not even any, and it can kick you. Look at the, the pipeline deal and it happens everywhere every day now. You have to understand your security. You have to understand how your people are going to in, interact with this system after, because that is, you have to streamline your operations with everything you do, your business with what you do. And if you're not doing that in this process and you're adding more work on the back end, that will inherently decrease your effectiveness to serve your customer. So overall, I just say, really understand on the front end what you're doing, get into it deep. And get into it deep from a technical perspective. And even if you have to hire a third party that does nothing, and I to say this again, hire a third party that does nothing but help you evaluate the technology and the way you're going down. Because you can go into this for a million dollars before you even think about it, especially when you include labor time and everything else internally you're going to do. And oftentimes that third party is invaluable and will save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So some real insights there, to be honest, okay, and uh, especially thinking about the end game. And I am going to give you some examples related to the same scenario that you mentioned, Damon, and that is going to be when you look at some of the demos. And it does not happen as much in case of your e-commerce systems. But typically, if you are looking at some of very niche solutions and they might not perform as well, let's say, over web, what they are going to do is they are going to do the demo on your local system. So it's very important to pay yeah. attention to the URL that you are looking at, whether they are showing you the end state of the system yeah. or not. So again, you are touching on a very, very important point. Thank you so much, Damon, for that. Dave, I'm pretty sure you are going to have tons and tons of insights there, especially related to speed and security and how that is going to impact or you know, not going to make our friend Google happy. Absolutely. Yeah, I I like to say that your website needs to be as fast as Sam Gupta talks. So <laughs> it needs to be honest, and <laughs> it should also be as approachable as. Sam. So you, you you really need to think about the usability and speed. Of course, is one of the biggest things when you look at a website. What's the infrastructure that it's set on? That's probably one of the things that Shopify does really well. You know, we not, we like to knock Shopify as a as an e-commerce tool, but the one thing that it does is they built their structure so that it was easy for the masses to accomplish what they were looking for. Now, for manufacturers, that's probably not a great fit, and especially as you scale up and do the things like Isaiah was talking about, where you have very specific needs that you need to be able to do and tie into any of the ERPs. Once you get really serious about the functionality, you need to use tools that are scalable. It all comes down to content, and our job as content providers that develop web-enabled technologies is to bridge the gap between our user and what we provide. And a lot of people overcomplicate this. All it needs to be is that our content needs to be findable. And in order for Google to pick it up, it needs to be findable in a few specific ways, right? It needs to be, you, you need to make sure that your e-commerce system has allowances for meta descriptions, titles, you need to format it in the right tags. You need to be able to link back and forth. You need to have pretty permalinks. You know, all of the gobbledygook at the end of a URL doesn't help the user, which therefore doesn't or negatively impacts the user experience, which negatively impacts your SEO score. You know, when I'm on the road speaking for Google and sharing with people what you need to do, it's all about speed, having good content, having non-duplicate content. So you can't just hoover things up from a, a number of other places and expect to rank well. And then you also need to think about you know, how all of this fits into the cohesive whole because it's all part of your marketing system. So your information architecture, how you organize things from the very get-go, like Eric was saying, you need to think about here's all the component parts, here's how all they fit together, or here's how they all fit together, and getting someone, like Damon mentions, that can help guide you through the process from a detached perspective, you know, having someone that can say, okay, well, this is my, this is my company, this is my group, and this is the tool that I'm going to use. You know, we built a website 
or I built a website for a client where I had to come in and rescue them from a website that had taken $3 million to build thus far. Wow. It was integrated with NetSuite and it was basically built to replace what they had going that they currently had backing up over a tape drive in one of the developers' garages that they had fired three years ago. So I don't know why he was still doing it, but you know, bless him for doing it. And then when it all came time to build this thing and, it, and we had to train everyone on actually using that website, you you needed to get all kinds of like specific trainings that required like two weeks of off time on an offsite retreat or whatever, which was all built into the three million price, but it was unusable. So what did we do? We scrapped the entire project, rebuilt it in WordPress on WooCommerce for a hundred thousand dollars, and it was much better than it would have been in the end. That's having a that's having someone to look at it and say, do you really need the space shuttle when a decent Chevy is going to be all right to get you from point A to point B? You know, as long as you can plug in the right tools and get it there and get it findable, that's what you need to focus on. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Dave, for those insights. So if I'm the executive and if I need to evaluate between my Shopify, Magento, obviously there are going to be a lot of different factors from the functionality perspective from the business model perspective, but what are those non-functional elements that really matter from the deployment perspective is what I am looking for. So uh, Eric, I'm actually going to move to you. So what are different factors that I should be paying attention to? Are these going to be, let's say, number of transactions? Is it going to be the number of connectors? Are we looking for the tool that is going to be used for the integration? So what are different things am I looking for from the deployment perspective when I need to compare 10 different solutions? Well, deployment is intimately linked with the hosting platform. The CFO is going to be interested in two things, I think. Features, secondarily, but primarily cost. Cost is driven or calculated, rather, or metered in a lot of platforms by sessions, and sessions are traffic. Some hosting firms don't count traffic to staging or development sites. Most of them do though, so that's something to know. Uh, you actually can have a lot more traffic on a staging or development site than, than a production site because you might have a lot of people pounding on it, uploading products, doing doing all, all what they do. So a clear understanding of, first of all, how much traffic your existing site gets and you'd be well maybe maybe not the people here would be shocked but most people would be shocked to know that they don't even know how much traffic their website gets yeah yeah <laughs> they probably yeah. couldn't even tell you yeah um, i see a lot of heads shaking because i'm sure you've heard that before so you need you know i mean you need to know that at least at the very minimal and, and preferably a year or two's worth of data before you can consider hosting and where so if you're on one hosting provider and you're considering switching to a different hosting provider because the deployment is more efficient well maybe there's a change in billing structure that you need to pay attention to certain platforms bill by resources like amazon web services for example will bill by the number of cpus you have and the type of the type of storage you have for static media assets uh, the number of database servers you have and whether or not uh a deployment system is hooked into those things. So that's addressing my initial comment about you kind of need to know something about the pieces of the various structure of this, or or somebody does, perhaps you have a development manager or a project manager who can get at this for you. But at least you need to be aware of these things that are potential cost factors so they don't come out of nowhere. And you next thing you know, you get a bill from AWS for $3,000 from last month's traffic. Ouch. Maybe you have that much traffic. Maybe that's good. The second thing that comes to mind is, so that's the hosting cost and deployment is usually hooked into that. The second thing would be what sort of staff time, what sort of developer time or staff time or third-party developers that you're hiring um, is it going to take to deploy these and maintain these systems? Unfortunately, People are used to really super high availability sites that work magically and everything is great and nothing goes down or bad. That's because people like me and Isaiah and other technicians behind the curtain are making things run and we go, oh, damn, container number two went down. We better redeploy that, none of which matters to the CFO. You just care that the site is up. But the point is there's a cost for 
what's called DevOps or development operations staff. Yeah. And some of that is included frequently with hosting plans, but a lot of times you need to supplement that with your own programming staff or uh, project manager resources to manage the whole environment. That's a kind of a slippery cost. Saying I'm saying this as somebody who is a project manager, it can be a little hard to nail that down, but you can certainly put that down as a range of costs over time, say a year. And uh, thirdly is the maintenance costs of these platforms because servers are not static animals. Languages change, database versions change, the underlying software that the the underlying uh, server software that these systems are built upon gets retired or goes out of life. All of these pieces need maintenance at some point and you don't want to put that off or you have what's called a, a massive technical debt that some point somebody's going to say, you've got a huge tech debt and the CFO is going to go say what? I don't know what that means. <laughs> so it's good to know about that kind of, you know, before it happens for sure. Yeah. So you actually hit on a, some really important points and I'm probably going to have some clarifying questions for you so that our executive audience understand what are the implications of, let's say, when you talk about staging environment. I don't even know if they are going to be familiar with uh, what, an, what a staging environment is. And in fact, when you look at these, uh, some of the e-commerce platform or the newer software tools, as part of their plan, they are not necessarily going to have the staging environment included as right. part of their initial plan. And then if you are going to do any sort of development, you have to buy that and that may have very steep cost. So you need to pay attention to that. And by the way, you you brought one more point. So when you look at one of these hosting providers and they are going to include traffic for both your production environment as well as your staging environment, and you are going to complain that, you know what, I am hosting with this provider. My Google Analytics is saying that I'm getting thousand uh, visitors a month, but this company is claiming that I'm probably getting 10,000. The reason why you are getting 10,000 is because your team is actually making a lot of <laughs> transactions or the visits on that staging environment, which is hosted on the same server that is hosted by the host provider. So you need to account for that as well when you go for these cloud environment. So do you want to explain a little bit more, Eric? You know, what is the importance of a staging environment? why a company needs to have that, why do they need to account for that, especially if they are choosing a cloud platform? Sure. Um, this is kind of web development 200. Yeah. Uh, but it's, again, it's a specialty. Unless you've dealt with it, you wouldn't really necessarily know this. A common process for developing websites is that a developer will work on a local instance, uh, say a laptop or a computer. That local instance will have the code and the database and a, a little web server and they will work and get whatever features they want or extensions installed. They will push that up to a code repository, which is a place that stores the code. Then that code will get pushed out to a staging environment or a development environment, Same, basically the same thing. That's an entirely separate, isolated server that basically functions the same as your existing site, but it's used as a, as a sandbox or a test environment, a safe space, so if somebody screwed up something, they don't take down your whole website. It's happened. Did it once. <laughs> you don't want to push stuff out to production. You want to test it on a staging or development environment. And so if you get into any sort of an open source system, uh, like some of the ones that have been mentioned, where, where you're manipulating code, you're adding extensions, you're configuring things, uh, you and it has to be tested before it goes to production, then you you really need a separate server and database that's completely isolated from the production one. So then the next step is it goes through quality assurance. The um, de developer's staff approves it. It goes to the client. They approve it. Everything looks cool. Then the same code gets pushed out to the production environment or deployed. That's what we're talking about here today, deployments. And frequently uh, there are database scripts that run and the code gets pushed out and containers get refreshed and then it's in a in a perfect world it's all happy and the production site looks really great so that's how the process works that's that's a very common development paradigm that would be for a cloud server sort of setup now if you're running on something like shopify or big commerce that's there are nuances to that shopify doesn't use that sort of a system because they have their own platform 
although there are ways to do it, but I won't get into that. Um, yeah, you're a little more limited on a Shopify and big commerce. You wouldn't have yeah, to. Yeah, for sure. And that's something yeah. that I think CFOs and companies don't realize. They think, oh, I'm just getting this easier thing, but I'm actually, yeah. you do have to go through some hoops and you know get a little creative if you want to even try and replicate that process. So in some ways, you're, you're, you're exposing yourself to risk, at a, especially at a larger enterprise level. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah, that's risk is <laughs> risk is an important word when we do our strategy and evaluations because we can we can put a number on the risk. We can say, well, if you do it this way, your variability in this in this price for our work is going to be about 40%. If you do it this other way, it's going to be 20%. Well, 20% of $100,000 is more than coffee money. So that usually gets their attention. So it's it's really super to your point Absolutely, Isaiah. It's, it's super important to get a good, solid strategy and evaluation and requirements discussion about exactly what they want to do. So we have some customers that are B2B customers in small markets. They, they don't get much traffic because you know, they're smaller companies. The market isn't that big. We're not going to put them on some gigundo system. But we're also yeah. not going to put them on Shopify because a lot of their uh, requirements. They have some very particular ERP integration requirements and very particular ordering requirements that is a lot of custom software. So choosing the, the right hosting environment and deployment system is critical for that site success. Absolutely is. Yeah. And I, I just want to uh, add into there that from a CFO perspective, oftentimes, you know, on a proposal from a vendor is not going to be the test environment for that ERP system. So these integrations, you know, once you get into the cost of integrations, which is probably another element that we're going to discuss here. But if and we run into this with our customers that initially they did not have an ERP test environment, which is so critical because we have a we have an e-commerce test environment. So they have to stand up their ERP test environment in order for us. And they have a cost for that. That cost isn't going to be in our proposal. So CFOs need to consider that. Additionally, if they're not updating their test environment frequently with production data, then when you go to test at a later point in time, the data has become so different that the tests fail, but it's only because the data is different between production and the test environment. So you, you can't just do the one time set up the test and think that for the life of your e-commerce site, that your test environment is going to be active. Data is continually being updated. It's a live production site. You have to plan for those refreshes. So there are costs there that you wouldn't see from the vendor, but the CFO needs to, to consider. There's an ongoing maintenance cost just to maintain the staging properly. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. And offsite backups so that you're not having yeah. one server that has critical failure point, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was going to mention backups. That's part of the deployment process. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if you don't have a backup of your site, well, then you're <laughs> you're in big trouble. You can have yeah. extensions that run that just make a train wreck of your database. Uh, so, so yeah, that's you need a system or at least an understanding of when this development database gets refreshed with production data. That's usually the way it, it works in our experience. Okay, amazing. So some very important points, guys. And... From the staging perspective, this problem wasn't there when we were talking about the complete on-prem system, because what you could do is you could deploy these things in your infrastructure. You didn't have to worry about creating additional staging environment. But now in the cloud world, things are easier. But when we talk about getting the additional environment, you are actually renting another piece of infrastructure from your vendor. And each vendors have their own piece of infrastructure. So the way Chris mentioned that, even though you might have a test site for your e-commerce platform, if you try to integrate a production environment with the test environment, sometimes what is going to happen is you might be sending the test data to your production. I don't know if you want <laughs> really want to do that. That's not going to be fun at all. Okay, so what you want to do is when you think about these test environment and the staging environment, it's not just e-commerce. It's not just ERP. You need to have the complete slice for yourself. And you need to think about the cost uh, as, as the whole slice, whether you talk about the small, tiny, mini integration piece that you may have acquired just to enable your e-commerce, but you need to have the entire test infrastructure and you need to evaluate the cost of each of those 
how the interaction of each of those components is going to be there in that test layer. So idea, uh, you know, I'm going to move to you next. I mean, uh, we discussed that several different points, you know, from the deployment perspective, which are going to be uh, cost drivers. It's going to be when you are choosing, let's say, your hosting provider, you need to measure your traffic. You need to measure your, you need to have a sense of your historical traffic. And that's how you are going to be able to forecast, okay, what is going to be your future traffic? Because the majority of the players that we have in the market, they, they price based on your traffic, because that's where the, the dollars are for them. But there are going to be some solutions in the market that don't necessarily price based on the traffic. And that's where some of the niche solutions or the other solutions that you might have in the market could come very handy. They could be very affordable. So in your experience, let's say if I'm uh, comparing 10 different e-commerce platform, so what are different factors that you would like to evaluate along with what Eric has already mentioned? Yeah, let me take a step back because I think I'm trying to bring this back to like kind of layman's terms, especially for the CFO that, like we said, is most likely not a developer by trade or software engineer. And and I don't think you necessarily have to know all the details of DevOps and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, the reason I think most most companies either fail or struggle with e-commerce and just growing their business and at the CFO level driving the you know the purchasing decisions to help grow the business, why they're failing is because they're not thinking about the problem the right way. So e-commerce is fairly simple in that there's really only three metrics and you could break it up into different ways that drive the business. It's the total traffic coming to the website, the conversion rate, which is whatever the percentage of people coming to the website buy, and then your average order value. And then you could look at retention as kind of an additional metric, like how many repeat customers, what's the lifetime value of a customer. That's kind of an additional metric that you should be looking at. But basically, if you can increase traffic, increase conversion rate, increase average order value, let's say you doubled all three of those numbers, you would increase the business by eightfold, right? Because it'd be two times two times two, right? So that's why companies are failing is because they're just thinking of this as a cost, right? This is a cost. How do I get my cost down? I'm paying too much. And that's almost the opposite of how you should be thinking about it. You should be thinking about it. This is an investment. How do I invest more into this so that I can increase those numbers and I increase all those numbers exponentially? I could grow my business by 8x or 10x or 100x. You know, obviously companies like Amazon have proven that. And they're not so nitpicking the cost of all these little things, right? They're, they're investing back into their, their infrastructure and their business. So what I, what I think that CFOs should be thinking about is it's very simple is how do I pick a platform that's going to, an infrastructure that's going to last me three to five years? Cause within about five years, it's going to be impossible to predict the market. You're going to have technical debt, like Eric alluded to, no matter how good of a job in five years, you're going to have some technical debt and you should probably be reevaluating, maybe refactoring in five years. How can I pick a platform that I can deploy in six to 12 months, ideally four to six months, but let's be conservative. Let's call it six to 12 months. You know, a Shopify, maybe a smaller project you can do in two or three months. But let's say, how can I deploy this platform in roughly six months, plus or minus the variability of the complexity of the, the company? And how am I going to figure out that? How, how do I know that this is going to last me five years? And then how do I know that it's going to increase those metrics? Is it going to help me grow the traffic? Is it help me increase the conversion rate? Is it going to help me increase the average order value? Or maybe is it going to operationalize the business, make us more efficient? So every order we ship, it costs us $1 less. We've automated, we've built some integration. So now instead of it costing $10 per order to, to, to fill an order, it costs $9 or $8. So that's another way to make some money on the implementation, right? And then lastly, you know, there could be some additional value, like maybe you have in-store or offline orders. If you're B2B, how do I increase call phone-in orders, request to quote, non-e-commerce value? Like e-commerce is what, you know, for B2C, it's only like 15% of sales, 20% of sales, depending on the, the, the business. So you still have 80% in-store and in B2B, you might have 50 to 80% calling in, right? So you still want to like be improving those other metrics, but e-commerce is going to be the number one driver of that. Like we all know when you go to in-store, you're either buying online, picking up in-store, you're, you know, you're, you're essentially like most people are using the internet to drive sales in one way or the other, whether it's call phone in or less and less is, is like cold calling, right? Like you're not, you're probably not going to be getting tons of growth by just like cold calling, right? Like, or non-digitally first 
engagement, right? So e-com your e-commerce or digital infrastructure is going to be like the center stone for growing the business. So the CFO should be thinking about, okay, this is the most important investment in our business because everything goes through this, this funnel. If Facebook ads go to the website, like you don't just have a Facebook ad, right? You don't just have a Google ad. It goes to your website. I mean, you could have it go to Amazon, but if you outsource all your business to Amazon, you're probably not going to be very successful. We saw Toys R Us fail pretty miserably because they were like, you know what, let's not build e-commerce. Let's put it to Amazon. Let's go to Amazon and that that failed miserably. So once you understand what you're even trying to invest in at that basic level, then it's like, okay, what are my requirements? Let's talk to our customers. Let's talk to the internal departments. Let's talk to marketing. Let's talk to sales. Let's talk to the, the five or six divisions within our company. Let's talk to our customers. Let's look at the competitors that are growing, what they're doing. Then it should start to become more clear. Oh, they're doing after pay or they're doing two day free shipping, you know, like Amazon. These are the things we need to do to be competitive. These are the requirements, going back to requirements that we need to be able to solve to grow our business, to increase traffic. Maybe we need to spend more money on Facebook or Google or whatever it is to grow traffic. We need to have a better design to increase conversions. We need to offer some things to make the average order value higher. I'm just kind of making, you know, stuff up at this point, right? So now that you've kind of thought about all those things, what are those things and what platform fits that best, right? What platform is going to help us? And this is where companies also fail. Is they're like, right now we need this for the next six months, but then they build something, they go on Shopify, and then it turns out in two years, Shopify doesn't do X, Y, Z because it's a hosted platform. You know, it's limited. There's certain APIs that can only do certain things. And then now they just can't do what they want to do. So they put themselves on a platform that basically they limited themselves and didn't think about the five-year, they have no five-year roadmap, right? It's hard to do a five-year roadmap, but at least you can say, all right, we think in three to five years, we're going to build this kind of infrastructure, this kind of features, like a custom product finder so that you can customize the jewelry and we're doing something like that for jewelry company, right? I'm, I'm using that as an example, but maybe that's not your phase one. But can my platform support that in three to five years without me having to rebuild my website? So that's why companies are failing is because they're, they're getting caught up in all the in these nuances of cost and not like how are we actually going to pick a, a, a third party provider like a trellis or the other folks here to implement this appropriately to grow the business. And, and obviously to do that can sometimes it's more expensive than what they want. So to summarize what I think is happening, sometimes companies will say, oh, our budget hundred grand. They just came up with that number and they want to get it done in 100 grand, but 100 grand is actually going to decrease their business because it's not going to get them a good implementation. It's not going to get them the growth and competitiveness. If they spend 300 grand, they might actually have an implementation that grows the business and is an investment versus spending 100 grand, throwing it down the drain and actually hurting their business. And they just don't, they, they're just picking a number out of thin air, basically. Yeah, I, I can completely see. And uh, in fact, I like to think more from the executive perspective. Let's say if I'm doing this evaluation as an executive, let's say if I think from their perspective, I definitely get the pitch about growth that, you know, we need to have the platform ready for next three to five years. I, I get it. But at this point of time, the only thing I'm trying to do is I have proposals from three different vendors. They all are trying to say that, you know what, you are going to be ready for next three to five years. I am only trying to reevaluate. Okay, one vendor is saying hundred thousand, the next is saying ninety thousand. What I'm trying to figure out right now is, am I making the smart decision when yeah. I am going with the? So the the real insight that I got from your comments is the long term viability of the vendors that you are choosing as your hosting provider. Great insight, sir. Uh, Chris, do you want to offer your insight in terms of the factor that the executive should be looking at when they are looking at two proposals? from two different vendors for the deployment? The things that they need to evaluate are, how does the vendor measure the performance of the site? Is that included in the cost that, you know, is there uh, an availability and a performance guarantee or something that is gonna ensure that in that three to five year period that the site is gonna perform in the way that they want it to. So if you got a 90,000 to 150,000, you definitely wanna be going with the, the person that's gonna give you the performance. The, pers the person who's gonna monitor your site, who's going to be available 24 seven to support you with some uh, level of support structure, depending on the type of outage that might be occurring. 
right? I, we talked about security very early, but uh, security is something that you want to evaluate. Where is it being hosted and what what how do you feel about those hosting options between the very different providers? Because hosting is part of your security and and part of your your monitoring the performance, right? You know, I things like the feature requirements that you've analyzed that Isaiah mentioned. How many requirements is your vendor able to take off on your requirements list? Things like that we haven't talked about here, site analytics. How good is the information? How good are the, the open APIs and the things that are gonna be available by each vendor? Can you integrate to your marketing platform, to your CRM platform, to your ERP system? Of course, we've talked about that, but all of the different level of integrations, hopefully you've identified what those are in your requirements research. And now you have to evaluate those vendors' ability to integrate and what are the costs for that. So those are part of that evaluation process. And then customizations. Again, in complex organizations, typically in your initial launch, you don't want to be launching with a lot of complex customizations. But in reality, to meet the needs of B2B organizations, there often are customizations. And they can range from small customizations to very large customizations. So it's determining from your requirements and that customer experience that you're trying to drive. Again, going back to one of Isaiah's earlier points, customer experience is everything. So have you defined what are the elements that are going to satisfy your customers initially? And do those include any customizations to anybody's product based on the unique needs of your business? And what are the costs associated with that? And how well have you defined them to ensure because every vendor is going to have a cost for development on those customizations. So you don't want to go over the development cost for any specific. So evaluating the customization would be another one. Those are things that I, I think CFOs need to be thinking about. Yeah, great insights there with respect to customizations. I think that's very important. Integration, I think those are definitely the factors. So thank you so much, Chris, for that insight. So Damon, I'm actually going to move to you and I'm going to ask you, you are an executive. And let's say if you were to start your e-commerce business and you were actually evaluating five different vendors, they all are pitching their offerings and you are trying to wrap your head around the deployment and how that is going to impact the cost. What are the factors that you are going to be paying attention to when you are going to be talking to these vendors? Well, I think that because I'm not a technical person, the deployment costs, I would have to get into that pretty deeply because of the customization, as as Chris said, and and the security and all the other levels that we talked about. There's, you know, there's the the hot buttons that we we run into there that we talked about the, the entire time. And at the end of the day, we have to have a pretty equal comparison of those things and go, okay, now this system is going to take this. And, and, and like you said, Eric, hosting and all these other things, because you look at this cost over three to five years. But the one thing that I think in the deployment cost that CFOs overlooked is the one thing that Isaiah talked about that everybody in e-commerce knows is if the person that's helping you, the solution that you're doing is going to increase your traffic your conversion, your average order value, that is huge. And you can't, you can't just sit there and put this on a line and look at these as costs, as he said, because if, if, if vendor A is four times as much, but they can double my, my conversion rate, they may pay for themselves in a few, few months that extra difference just in what they can do. If you make 20 million a year online, yeah. you could go to 40 million on your, you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy what you can do it, when you, when you look at those kind of things, but again, the technical aspects of it have to include all the technical you talk about that's like we talked about before, but they also have to include on the other side of that. What, how are they going to help you? Because if, if one of these companies is the lowest cost, but they aren't going to, they, they're not talking to you about conversion. They're not talking to you about traffic. They're not talking to you about customer experience. You really want to think about that as well, because in the end, that's how you make money is having that customer experience and getting conversions. So, OK, amazing. Thank you so much for that insight, Damon. And 
Dave, I'm actually going to move uh, to you quickly because we only have very few minutes left in the session. <laughs> so let's say if you have three proposals sitting in front of you and an executive is coming to you, hey, one vendor is coding 100,000, one vendor is coding 90,000, one vendor is coding 80,000. Now, you need to evaluate this from the SEO perspective that 80,000 may look very attractive, but is that the real offer, at least from the SEO perspective? Am I going to get the real speed that idea is actually expecting so that I can get my traffic? So let's say if you were to evaluate these proposals from the SEO perspective, what are key factors that you would look for in those proposals? You need to look for the depth of content and the availability of the content to be customized to meet the requirements of SEO. Right. So for search engine optimization, you need to have everything set up correctly. It needs to be submittable to the search engines. It needs to be formatted correctly. And so if a proposal doesn't have specific setouts for optimizing your website, they're just planning for you not to be findable. You know, there's there's no such thing as a secret sauce. There's no such thing as, well, our tool is just SEO optimized. Sure, WordPress is fantastic for SEO if done correctly you know you can you can do a squarespace site that'll kick a wordpress site's butt if it's built correctly but if a website comes out you know, generally the cheapest one is going to give you some sort of a red flag anyway because you always have three options you know good fast and cheap you only get to pick two so that cheap one's probably not going to be good and it might be fast but you know what is it that's missing and then figure out what that is. So you really need to look at the content deliverable and how much time they're going to spend at making sure that your website is findable, that it's as fast as Sam Gupta talks, and that it does what it needs to <laughs> All right, and I need to talk faster right now because we are really close to our time, okay? So we are going to be doing the closing commentary uh, in one sentence. So Eric, do you wanna start with your closing commentary in one sentence? Just wanted to mention that deployment is a part of an ecosystem that includes hosting and security and backup systems. So you need to consider all of those things when you're looking at cost. Okay, Chris, closing advice in one sentence. Define your success metrics up front and don't forget to evaluate the competing projects that are happening concurrently. Love it. Damon, closing advice, one sentence. Evaluate the total cost. Okay, love it. Isaiah. Yeah, I, I just kind of want to add to what Damon said, evaluate the total cost. And the total cost is generally mostly people, right? So it's mostly third party people like a trellis and internal people don't get caught up on, oh, it's 2000 bucks a month for Shopify Plus, because that's going to pale in comparison to the people cost. So. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much. Dave, one sentence, closing advice. Don't lose the forest for the trees. You need to make an investment in your business's growth. So if you can spend it to get that revenue, it's going to wind up being much better for you in the long run. Okay, love it. Thank you so much, guys, for joining. And thank you so much, audience, for listening in. Thank you so much once again. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Eric Landman, head over to earthlinginteractive.com. It's E-A-R-T-H-L-I-N-G-I-N-T-E-R-A-C-T-I-V-E.com. If you want to learn more about Damon Pistolka, head over to exityourway.us. It's E-X-I-T Y-O-U-R-W-A-Y dot U-S. If you want to learn more about Dave Meyer, head over to busyweb.com. It's B-I-Z-Z-Y-W-E-B dot com. If you want to learn more about Azia Bollinger, head over to trellis.co. It's T-R-L-L-I-S dot C-O. If you want to learn more about Chris Harrington, head over to genalpha.com. It's G-E-N alpha.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Shemas Ruiz Earl, who discusses the core reasons for the low adoption of CRM systems among sales teams. Also, the interview with Richard Holcher, the wizard of Paz, who describes the challenges associated with buy online, pick up at store model. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me 
on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you. And I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.